Good morning. Good to see you. We're doing things a little differently today. Um, and we're going to save our, our worship through music and some of the different ways as we move through the service. Um, often when we have a communion service, we do what we call a Selah service, which is uh, kind of a Hebrew term for pause, reflect, let all the stuff sink in. And so we're going to have a bit of that today, but I wanted to take a few moments and, uh, and kind of combine things here a little bit and just share for a few minutes here. Uh, this will be my final message in Acts. Man, I, like I just, I know, like you're all really depressed, aren't you? So um, that's good. Maybe you are actually. I don't know. I, I think I've said this already. I'm probably repeating myself because I do that a lot, but uh, this has just been I think an incredible series, and uh, you might hear a little bit more from Axe, from Brad later. I'm not sure quite what you're, what you're going to be doing here in a couple of weeks. I'm going to be uh, preaching at a friend's church plant, and uh, so we've got Brad coming. But for me, uh, I wanted to kind of maybe bookend a little bit today, and I want to go back to the beginning for a few minutes, and then I'm going to lead us through a time of prayer and reflection as we come to the communion table. Um, some time for you just to slow down to pause, to let it sink in, and make sure that we've given the Lord some adequate time through His Spirit to really speak to us today. And so with that, uh, really wanting to go back all the way to chapter 1. So if you've got your Bible, Acts chapter 1, and uh, what I'd like to make sure we do, and I want you to pay attention, did we land where we started? Did we land where we start? You know how you set out and you say, hey, that's what this is about. This is the destination we're going. Well, did we make it? Um, I think we did, but I want us just to think about that as we wrap things up. And a few thoughts, as I, I mentioned, two, two primary things. I'm really just going to squish the first two sermons we did. October, when was it? October 21. Can you believe that? That's, uh, that's when we started this. And so almost two years later, so Acts chapter 1, and I'm going to do about 1 through 8-ish, maybe a little bit beyond. And here we go. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. That's Luke, the book of Luke. This is Luke now writing Acts. Until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. This is after his death and resurrection. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's the gift. Verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Just pause for a second. We're still waiting. We're still waiting for that day, for him to establish it and bring it all home. Here we are. So, So what did he tell them to do while they waited? And what is he telling us to do while we continue to wait. Verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
and then he went up in a cloud to the Father. And now we wait for him to return. So what do we do while we wait? We're his witnesses, starting in hometown and moving out to the ends of the earth. Here we are. And so two really important themes that we began the book of Acts really highlighting. And the first one is this. I'm going to actually walk backwards in this passage and start more in verses, you know, 7, 8, 9. This idea that all are welcome. All are welcome. This is what's happening right now. This is what's coming. Um, If you were with us almost two years ago, I don't know if you remember, I I started with one question. Why do so many churches have to put all are welcome all over their stuff? Anybody remember that? Yeah, just say yes and make me feel good. That's nice. Um, Thank you. That's that's great that you were paying attention. Um, Why do so many churches feel like they have to put all are welcome all over their stuff? Have you noticed that? You know, your website, the front of the church, all the different things. When we were in Stouffville, Stouffville's a bit of a Bible belt, like, man, five billion churches, and they're all over 150 years old, and, and they had one page in the Stouffville paper. I don't know, do they do this? I don't pay attention to papers anymore, but, but they used to have a page in the paper. Actually, it was like almost two or three pages. There's so many churches. It was all the church adverts. And I remember going through it one day, and it's like every single one, all are welcome, all are welcome, all are welcome. It's like, are we overcompensating for something? And I think the answer is yes. The answer is yes. We still have the same problem that the Jerusalem church had and the Jewish church had from the very beginning. There's certain groups of people that we really struggle to welcome. And so sometimes I wonder if we got to put that on there to kind of overcompensate. We, we really struggle to understand Jesus' definition of inclusion in his church. The good news of Jesus Christ is for everyone. It's for everyone. No exceptions, no ifs, no ands, no buts. And we can go to different extremes. We can push people away. We want them to tidy up their lives and get it all nice and working, and then they can come join us. Or we can go to the other extreme where we're like, eh, it doesn't really matter what your lifestyle is and what happens. It's all good. Jesus is in the middle of all that. And we need to learn what that means when we say all are welcome and how we understand that in our day and age. And then he says, be my witnesses. And he breaks this down. Jerusalem and Judea would have been their fellow Israelites in their own backyard. You know, Jerusalem is... Israel is the promised land. Jerusalem is the holy city promised to Abraham, the promised land, all the places that house the very presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, and all those things that go with it. Um, And as we have walked through this book, we've seen over and over and over again. When you go Jerusalem, Judea also, again, very much the elite of Jerusalem and of the Jewish people. And then you get into Galilee and that's kind of the rednecks of the Jewish people. That's where Jesus seemed to hang out most of the time. And as we look at Jerusalem, we look at Judea, it's this group of Jews that created the greatest opposition to the good news of Jesus Christ. It's this group, their opposition that came from a legalism around the law, always missing the point. Who are those people? Like, 
quite literally stoning anyone who didn't comply. Who is that group of people for us? Samaria, marginalized half-breeds, half-Jewish, half-Gentile. So what does that mean? Hated by the Jews and hated by the Gentiles. Because they were neither and all of the above. I feel that. I'm half-American, half-Canadian. Sometimes I feel a little bit of, you know, animosity from you, but that's okay. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's good. And you all know that I denounced America in my heart years ago, so that's all right. But they're in the middle. The Judeans, the Galileans, the Gentiles. I mean, think about that. What's it take to get hated by the bougie elites and the rednecks? And everybody else in between. They were all by themselves. Uh, I think the irony in our culture today, for those of us who've grown up in Sunday school at church, when we hear Samaritans, we think of good things. Because, right, we, we studied the story of the Good Samaritan, and that's good, and Jesus, and Good Samaritan, Samaritans are good. You know, you almost kind of get to this place, it's like we miss sometimes what was really going on. Samaritans were not accepted. They were not loved. They were at the bottom of all, all of the pecking orders. Uh, ends of the earth says, be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. I think here we're talking about the pure Gentiles for them. Again, a Gentile is just everybody who wasn't Jewish or a Samaritan, half. You know, a Gentile in that day did not have access to Torah, did not have access to the Bible, to God's law, did not have access to the sacrificial system for the forgiveness of their sins. They were not in. They weren't in God's children, in God's people, in God's system. And therefore, they were hated by the Jews. And can you blame them? Like, can you really blame them? Uh, for centuries, it was the Gentiles that kept taking over Israel and kept oppressing them. And at this moment, it was the Roman Empire. And you have a message that goes back to Father Abraham, if you're a Jew, that says, we are going to be a blessing to all the nations, even the Gentiles. Can you, can you put yourself in Jewish shoes? I don't know if you're Jewish here. I'm, I'm assuming most of us are probably Gentile. Uh, but just go with me. If you could put yourself in Jewish shoes for centuries, the entire Gentile, pagan, non-law-abiding world keeps oppressing you, taking over and doing all the things, and then somewhere in the middle of that, God goes, yeah, and I'm going to bless them. How up for that would you have been? Genesis 22, God's heart has been for every, every people, every group. Since the very beginning, Genesis twenty-two, fifteen, the angel of the Lord called Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withhold your son, so he's, he sacrificed his son Isaac, God miraculously saves him, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. These are the Jewish descendants. 
Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies so that I can bless them. What? Through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you obeyed me. Paul tells us that this is the first preaching of the good news. This is the first preaching of the gospel. This is what God meant when he said all the nations would be blessed. All of them. You could see how the Jews might have been a little confused. And God's heart for all nations comes ultimately in Jesus Christ. His son, his son that he sacrifices. It's like Abraham sacrifices Isaac. Luke 4, we talked about this last week actually. Luke 4, incredible scene. Jesus is in Nazareth, his hometown. He's in the synagogue on Shabbat. And here he is and he's teaching and he opens the scrolls. I think it's Isaiah. He opens up and he's like, hey, good news is preached to the poor and the lame. And, and it's coming and it's here. And he goes and hey, closes it up. It's here in me. I'm the Messiah. Remember this? We talked about this last week. And up to this point, everybody's like, what? For real? Some people are struggling. They're like, you mean Joseph's little boy? Like, come on. Other people are like, could it be? And they're tracking and they're doing things. And then where did they lose Jesus and try to throw him off the cliff? He starts telling them that the good news is for the Gentiles too. They literally try to throw him off a cliff in Nazareth. God's heart has always been for all to be reconciled to him. Shalom, good Jewish word. Whole, complete, peace. All the ways. All the ways. This is the good news. This is why you and I are sitting here today, my friends. Amen? And by sitting here, I mean sitting here in church, worshiping Jesus. <laughs> With our family. And this is what Jesus has called us to take part in, to go into all the world and to invite all the people. And as we discussed last week, the great irony in this is that for those of us Gentiles, we've now created our own category of Gentiles, haven't we? We've got our own group of people that we struggle to accept, to welcome. And if we're really honest with ourselves, we struggle to think that they deserve the good news, just like the original Jews struggled. And some still do today. Those who aren't from us, who make us uncomfortable, who don't share our views of morality and life and politics. How many have the church turned away because we've got the issues? We're still struggling with the same stuff. We put all are welcome, but do we mean it? Do we mean it? I don't know if you guys heard, I think we announced this um, a little while ago. Nate Tucker just got hired as the uh, youth pastor at Forward Baptist in Cambridge, giant church in our, in our fellowship. He's getting married to Laura. It's coming next week, really cool. Nate used to vape in that portable right there. He did not share our values. 
That was like four years ago, five years ago. And I'm glad that we let him come. Amen? You know what my hope is? That we can stop using Nate as our poster child and he just becomes one among many sitting among us. Amen? That doesn't mean it only counts if you go into ministry and become a pastor. Don't don't get me wrong. It's just the path that God had for him. But how great would it be as the years go on that we're sitting next to more and more people who have been welcomed into the family of God, reconciled to the Father through Jesus Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit. Are we up for that? Do we want to be a part of that? Do you? All are welcome. The other key piece and theme of Acts called the Acts, the Acts of the Disciples. I would say the Acts of the Disciples empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Acts of the Disciples empowered by the Holy Spirit. This only happens through the power of the Holy Spirit, my friends. If you're not getting that yet, my goodness, please open your ears. Especially those of you, my Baptist Reformed friends like myself, who've maybe grown up in a world, in a church, where it's kind of like, no, just need the book and we'll be good. We need the book and we need the Holy Spirit. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, the Holy Spirit. Stop trying to do this on your own. Stop running ahead. Stop forgetting that you can't do it. You're not that good. We have to have the authority of Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit if this is going to happen. Salvation is supernatural. You're not that good. You're not going to argue someone into Jesus. But can I say the flip side of that? If you're not that smart, man, praise God that you don't have to be that smart, eh? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, just a reminder from our gifts series, our spiritual gifts series, Philippians 2, Jesus walked this planet as a man. Fully God, but he chose not to use his deity to his advantage, Paul tells us in Philippians. How did he do the things that he did? He walked in the authority of the Father. That's why he was constantly leaving all the crowds and going away to a quiet place. Father, what's up? What are you doing? And he did it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Just like he asked you and me, we do it through his authority and the power of his Holy Spirit. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. That's how Jesus accomplished the miraculous, and it's how he asked us to accomplish the miraculous. John 14, 12, very truly Jesus says, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Those are the words of Christ. 
Because guess what? I'm one person with the Holy Spirit. You're going to be thousands with my spirit. The Spirit comes and does a sanctifying work within us so that he can do the mission through us. Inside out, inside out, inside out, always. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's for you and me. You will receive power to be my witnesses, to do what I've asked you to do, to walk in his authority, his power. And this is why he says, don't do anything until the gift comes to you. Wait. There you go. I'm happy to announce that we landed where we started. 